Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why bedtime procrastination may come down to beliefs about willpower. Then you'll hear about some much-needed hope when it comes to fighting climate change from renowned climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Just like being sleepy when it's raining outside, I know you've had this experience. It's really late, you're really tired, you should go to bed, but somehow you just can't stop scrolling through your phone. Social scientists have a term for this bad habit, bedtime procrastination. And a new study suggests that it may come down to willpower, specifically our beliefs about how willpower works. So on its surface, bedtime procrastination is just like any procrastination. You're putting off doing something that would benefit you in the long run. But unlike writing an essay, sleep is enjoyable. So why do we put it off? Maybe because it's not bedtime we're putting off, it's the bedtime routine. And when given the choice between watching another rerun of Star Trek The Next Generation and brushing your teeth, there's no contest. It takes self-control and willpower to fight that urge and actually get ready for bed. The researchers behind this study wondered if people's beliefs about willpower were linked to bedtime procrastination. See, some people believe that willpower is a limited resource. As in, once you've spent the day fighting those urges to oversleep, binge on cookies, and talk back to your boss, you have to recharge your supply of willpower. Other people believe that willpower is unlimited. So for this study, the researchers asked two groups of people to answer questions about their willpower beliefs, self-control, and stress levels, and to complete daily sleep diaries for 10 days. The team also asked people to indicate their ideal bedtime and whether they went to bed earlier or later than they meant to. The first group were college-aged adults, and the second were high school students. Overall, people who believed willpower is limited went to bed later on stressful days than those who believe it's unlimited. The unlimited willpower participants actually went to bed earlier when they felt more stressed. But the younger group had it worst. While the college students delayed bedtime by 45 minutes on average, the teens missed their ideal bedtime by an hour and a half. In the end, the people who thought they needed to recharge their willpower after a stressful day went to bed later the more stressed they were. Kind of ironic. It's still unclear what the connection is between willpower and bedtime procrastination. It's possible that someone with a limited willpower mindset believes they need more time to relax before going to sleep. But in the end, that's not doing them any favors. If this sounds like you, here's a tip. Try brushing your teeth and putting on PJs long before you're ready to go to sleep. That way, when bedtime rolls around, there's a lot less standing between turning off the TV and turning in for the night. Sweet dreams. Don't panic, but we're about to talk about climate change. I'm not just joking either. It's actually pretty important that you not panic when the topic comes up. And you're about to learn why from world-renowned climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe. Her research has informed climate resilience and enriched climate policy at a federal and local level around the world. That's why we asked her for help understanding how to talk about climate change. If you sometimes feel overwhelmed by climate change news, well, the question I asked ought to be pretty relatable. So right about now, I'm starting to have that feeling I get where I read a, a headline about climate change and I just feel totally hopeless and I feel like there's nothing I can do. What, what would you say to the people that feel like 
this is all so big and such a huge problem and we're just, we're doomed. Well, I'm so glad you said that because without hope, we are going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. If we just say there's nothing we can do, we have to just give up. Well, then the worst is going to happen. But I study what the future looks like, depending on the choices we make. And so I know from my own research, as well as the research of hundreds of colleagues around the world, that our choices do make a difference. So some amount of change is already inevitable. It's sort of like we've been smoking a pack of cigarettes a day for years and even a few decades, but we don't have emphysema, we don't have lung cancer, and we definitely are not dead. So the time to stop smoking is now. And if not now, then as soon as possible. So our choices really do make a difference today. And we are starting to see action happening around the world at every level. Nine out of the 10 richest companies made their money off fossil fuels. But number one, Walmart is going to be 50% clean energy in five years is their goal. And number 11 on the list, is Apple, they are already 100% clean energy and they are decarbonizing their supply chain. Microsoft was a bit late to the game, but they just announced this year that not only do they plan to be carbon neutral, they plan to be carbon negative and they plan to remove all the carbon from the atmosphere that they have produced since the 1970s, which is amazing. Then if you look at countries, countries like Canada and Finland are outlawing coal. Countries like Ireland are divesting all of their resources and investment from fossil fuels. BlackRock is one of the biggest investment firms in the world. They manage over $7 trillion. And they announced recently that they were going to be divesting from coal, which sent absolute shockwaves through the investment community. Canada is putting a price on carbon, which is the policy approach that nearly every economist in the world endorses to reduce carbon emissions. And we're seeing fantastic advances in development with more solar energy jobs than coal jobs across the whole U.S. with the cost of electric cars and solar panels and wind turbines falling exponentially and with changes happening in places you wouldn't expect like China and India and developing countries where at the global scale over 70% of new energy installed today is already clean energy. So the the giant boulder is already rolling downhill. It just needs to be going faster with more hands on it. But we are already starting to head in the right direction. That's great. I, uh, yeah. So like a meta question, what do you find is the most effective way to talk to people going negative and telling them like you need to do something now or, or, or going positive and saying, look, all these things are happening. Like you can just help out. I mean, I struggle with this myself with this podcast because I feel like if we if we only focus on the positive, then nobody's going to be motivated to do anything. But we also don't want to scare people, you know? Yeah. So the thing that I often run into is we often feel like we can't do anything about this problem. And that's really where the real issue is for all of us. Those of us who agree it's real, those of us who don't agree it's real, it all comes down to the fact that we don't think there's anything we can actually do to fix it. And our psychological defense mechanism is that if we don't think we can fix something, By definition, we have to say, well, it's not a big deal, there's nothing I can do, or I'm so small I don't make a difference, or it's all China's fault anyways. We have to push that off, otherwise we can't deal with with the guilt that that induces. So that's why I think that talking about positive solutions is really important. Giving people something concrete that they can do that makes a difference, I think is the number one thing that actually gives us all hope. It makes us feel like I can be part of the solution. So 
one of my colleagues, John Cook, who wrote a fantastic book called uh, Cranky Uncle versus Climate Science. It's a cartoon book about all the arguments that people use to uh, put off the idea that climate is changing and we have to fix it. So John Cook, um, the author of Cranky Uncle, uh, every time he would talk to his dad, his dad would be like, well, John, there's more polar bears than there ever are. And I heard those glaciers are actually growing. They're not shrinking. His dad was, you know, a dyed-in-the-wool dismissive, somebody who just says, oh, none of the science is real. And the reason why he said that was not because he didn't have the facts, his son was full of the facts, but because he was a political conservative. And for him, it was part of his identity, who he was, to reject the idea that climate was changing. But then the rural area where he lived, and he was in Australia, um, had a huge rebate on solar panels. And so he crunched the numbers. He realized he would save a ton of money. Part of his identity was being a fiscal conservative, you know, being good with his money. So he got the solar panels. He saved a ton of money. He started emailing his son every month how much money he had saved that month from the solar panels. And then about a year later, they were sitting there casually talking one day. And his dad said, well, you know, John, of course, this whole climate change thing is real, but I've got my solar panels. I'm helping to fix the problem. And John nearly fell off his chair because after all the talks he'd had with his dad, what changed his dad's mind? It was the fact that his dad felt like he could be part of the solution. So providing those positive solutions are so important. And the number one thing that I would suggest that everybody can do about this, and this is what I talk about in my TED Talk, is talk about it. Because surveys show that we don't talk about this issue. None of us, whether we think it's real or not. And if we don't talk about it, why would we care? And if we don't care, why would we think we can fix it? So talking about how it matters to us, things we care about, the winter ski season, our air quality, talking about how it matters to us and talking about concrete, positive, beneficial things we can do to fix it is the single most important thing that any of us can do. So let's all just find concrete ways to pitch in and make a difference. That way, we'll help avoid making climate change a self-fulfilling prophecy that brings on the end of the world. Cool? Cool. Again, that was Catherine Hayhoe, director of the Climate Science Center and a professor of political science at Texas Tech University. You can find links to learn more about her and the things she talked about in today's show notes. Let's do a quick recap of what we learned today. Well, we learned that that thing where you're really sleepy, but you just won't make yourself go to bed has a name. It's called bedtime procrastination. And your beliefs about willpower might have something to do with it. A good tip is to try getting ready for bed before you're sleepy so you have less to do right before you hit the hay. I find this especially true with brushing and flossing for some reason. Yeah, I mean, that's a chore for sure. An extra plus with brushing and flossing before you're actually going to go to sleep is that then you won't do that late night snacking that is so tempting to do. Very true. And we also learned that when it comes to climate change, the choices we make today really do matter. The world hasn't ended yet and the things we're doing really are making a difference. Yeah. And talking about concrete, positive, beneficial things we can do about climate change really can make a difference. So don't be shy. Talk about climate change. It's important. Okay. This didn't make it into the podcast, but in our conversation with Catherine, she kind of talks about a good place to start is like, what do you care about? What affects you? And I gave I gave a response that's like not really that dramatic, but I said, I hate that it doesn't snow as much in Chicago. I like snow. I know a lot of people don't, but I like snow. And like that, that's that's my, you know, is that a serious issue? Is that like hurting people? I mean, no, probably not, but it's something I care about. So if you've got a friend that misses the snow or is sick of all those rainy days we're getting in the spring or you know there's some even minor annoyance 
and you can tie it back to climate change, maybe that's where you start to talk to them about it. Sure. What do you care about, Ashley? Well, my reason is actually similar to the reason that Catherine gives in our interview, which we will air next week. That's what they call a tease in the biz. Yep. It actually is what they call it. (laughs) Today's first story was written by Kelsey Dunk and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity's Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.